Welcome. My name is Tom. This is the Enthusiasm Project, Season 8, Episode 9, Feeling Fine. And today's show is quite divine. Talking about some fun stuff that I learned while I was forced to not do anything else. All the fun stuff that I wanted to spend time creating. You know, fun things like recording remote podcasts with people using the sponsor of this episode, Riverside.fm. So I would like to start off this episode by thanking Riverside.fm for sponsoring today's episode. If you're unfamiliar with Riverside, if you've been here this whole season and you're still unfamiliar with Riverside, it's great whether you're a host or a guest, but especially as a host, Riverside lets you easily record studio quality, remote audio, and video from anywhere with no latency, regardless of your internet bandwidth. That's a fantastic feature for guests because sometimes they don't always have the best internet. I don't always have the best internet, and you don't have to worry about it with Riverside. Riverside automatically records locally to each participant's computer and then uploads all of that to the cloud, so that means your guests don't have to do anything extra, and you'll still get full quality isolated audio and video tracks for each person in the call. Those locally recorded files are supported up to 2160 4K video and 44.1 or 48,000 kilohertz audio, which means it's great whether you're doing audio only or audio with video. There's also a mobile app to make things easier for you and your guests, and you can publish and share your recordings immediately or put them in your editing software of choice with separate audio and video tracks and then edit till your heart's content. Edit your content till your heart's content. So if you'd like to give Riverside.fm a try, use the link in the description along with promo code TOM15 for 15% off of your subscription. Thank you again very much to Riverside.fm for sponsoring this episode and this entire season, all nine episodes so far, of The Enthusiasm Project. So now before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's show, I want to jump back in time to last week because I do have a message from Gil who went to HiMyNameIsTom.com and did the little speak pipe record a voice message thing. And uh, last week's episode was all about audio versus video podcasts and why I personally prefer doing audio-only podcasts versus video, at least while podcasting is something I do on the side and not my main thing. If it were my main thing, I think I would feel a bit differently about this. But I love the audio podcast workflow. It's pretty amazing. And I got some very interesting feedback and messages, which made me feel like at least I'm not alone in that, as wonderful and amazing as video podcasts are. But then I saw a message from Gil and I got kind of nervous because I love Gil. And he's been one of like the biggest supporters of my channel and my show. And he's just a great guy. And then he's also somebody who produces a lot of video podcasts for himself and for clients. And then I saw Gil's message and I got a little bit scared because I was like, oh no, I hope I didn't say something that offended somebody I like and respect and admire. Fortunately, that was not the case. So let's listen to Gil's message about last week's episode. How's it going, Tom? I hope all is well. I am currently listening to season eight, episode eight. It is really great. (laughs) I hope I'm not sending this message too late, but I just wanted to um, chime in. I'm not done with the episode yet, but you're talking about audio and video podcast. I found it very interesting because yesterday I actually recorded um, an audio podcast, a solely audio podcast. I haven't done that. I haven't done that in a while, but these clients opted for only audio podcasts and it was great. The setup was quick, just a Rodecaster Pro 2, two microphones, and that's it. And I set up, it was very quick and the, the teardown was even quicker. Normally I do a video podcast for clients, maybe two to three times a week. And the setup quite literally takes sometimes up to 30 to 40 minutes. But I just wanted to chime in and think about maybe I should probably start doing audio podcasts solely for my podcast um, or start opting that option for clients because video, the workflow is annoying, but fun but it takes a long time. So I really appreciate your uh, podcast episode today. I just wanted to let you know. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for the next one. Have a nice day. Thanks so much, Gil, for the message and for all the kindness and for this perspective, because I think 
I think your perspective specifically adds a couple interesting layers to that discussion from last week. One, as somebody who produces podcasts for yourself, like you have your own podcast, plus you produce it for other people, it's almost like your workflow can kind of have like that lifestyle creep. You know, like if you if you're somebody, say you make $40,000 a year and you're like, okay, this is my budget. This is what I live off of. This is how I, you know, pay for things or don't pay for things. And then you slowly start making more money. Then you slowly also start adding in more expenses. And so you might end up with double or triple the income, but you're still like, I don't feel like I have double or triple extra money sitting around. It's because that lifestyle creep kind of, you know, rises with the income. I think like the podcast workflow is sort of similar to that because you start out with an audio only podcast in some cases, and then you go to add video and it seems sort of like step by step. Okay, we'll just add a camera, get a simple shot here. We'll add in maybe a couple graphics. Maybe we should add a second camera. Now that we've got these cameras, maybe the set needs to be updated a little bit. Maybe we need to work on our lighting. And soon you have this full on production where just to press record and get things rolling is now an entire process, an entire pre-production process for something that used to be relatively simple and maybe even stress-free or worry-free. And now it's a little bit, it's a little bit tougher and a little more difficult. And oftentimes I don't think you realize that until you go all the way back and work in the old workflow where it's like, oh yeah, this was audio only. Are you kidding? This was so much simpler. And of course, again, you know, I'm not saying that there are not complex audio-only podcasts out there. There are many, many, many of them. But in general, it's like, wow, like right now, I'm sitting in a a not camera-ready environment, right? Like my lighting isn't great. My desk is messy because I was filming a video, which I'll be talking about in just a minute. I was filming a video all day this morning, all day this morning, because that's a thing that makes sense. And it, this wouldn't be great on camera right now, but it's perfect for recording an audio-only podcast. And I think, though, so I think that's one interesting point of Gil's message is the when you're somebody who has produced a lot of video podcasts, if you jump back and do audio-only, it kind of gives you a, a reminder of what that workflow is like, which also, I should say, if you're somebody who's only ever done audio and then you want to try video, that also could maybe be the opposite and open up your creative options for other things. But with Gil specifically... A big thing that I know he does is produce podcasts for clients, for other people, people who want, they have their idea, they have their their concept and everything, but they don't have the tech skills. They don't want to put together a whole studio. And so they call up Gil, who knows how to set things up, make it look amazing. He can do these audio or video podcasts for people, a lot of, like mostly video podcasts, as far as I understand. And then the people get an amazing result. And for him, it's great because they don't want to do that or learn how to do that. And then that workflow, that can be the thing that he comes in and specializes in. But I think the fact that people want to hire that out kind of shows you how difficult it is. And, and it's it's a big, it's a big, big thing to take on when you're creating a podcast. But again, kind of like I said last week, if podcasting were my only thing, like if this were my main thing that I do, I think I would feel differently. And I would like really double down and invest in on making an amazingly well-produced video version, at least of this show, not necessarily like multiple different podcasts, but at least this one, I think I would. But since it is my not main thing, I just have a lot of fun doing the audio only thing. I really, really enjoy it. I love it. I have a great time with it. So thanks so much, Gil, for your message. I appreciate that. Speaking of making videos, which is something I was talking about well, that's what we're going to be talking about today, because last, I shouldn't even say last week, for almost two weeks, I was knocked out pretty hard with COVID, which was not fun at all. And I couldn't do a whole lot, but I wanted to do stuff that whole time, but I just wasn't really capable or able to do much. And so it ended up with like, basically watching a lot of YouTube <laughs> is what I ended up doing. And I learned a lot. And I've put some of it into action. It's pretty cool. I I don't want to say I'm grateful for it because that was a miserable experience, but I, it's a lot of time and thought I probably wouldn't have been able to, like I probably wouldn't have pressed pause in that way on my own. I kind of needed to be like knocked out in order for it to happen. So I guess that is the positive. Before that though, the thing I've been working on all day, well not just all day, I've been 
filming today, but I've been working on planning this and testing stuff out for a while, is a microphone video. It's not a microphone review, although it's honestly not really any different than what a review would be, but it is a sponsored microphone video that I think, I think will be coming out this week. If you're listening to this episode when I post it, I think it's going to be this Thursday's video. It might not be, though. If the company that's making the microphone changes their schedule, it might not be. Uh, but that is the plan. That's why I'm working on this so hard right now is to get this to make sure things are ready to go for this week if they need to be. I'm pretty excited about it because it's my first time doing a sponsored video. I don't. I actually don't like doing a lot of sponsored videos as I talk about my sponsored video on this sponsored podcast episode. But there are very specific reasons that I choose to or not to do this. This one was really cool. There's a lot of really cool things about it. The product itself, but also the sponsorship agreement that is pretty exciting. Um, it's with a company that I really, really like and have used for a long time, but they're putting something out that's new for them that they've never done before. And that's pretty exciting. And it's something that I'm using right now and can give you no other information on other than that I'm using it for this episode. And it's pretty cool. And I'm pretty excited about it. And I hope that you'll get to see what it is. Also, I should say, this isn't just a pre-release thing. I'm going to take some bragging rights. And it's why I wanted to use this specific microphone for this episode. I think unless they were just trying to, you know, make me feel good about myself. I think I'm the only person on planet Earth right now outside of the company that makes this who has one of these. I don't think there's a big push campaign. I think it's kind of just me. And part of our like sponsorship thing is that this is something that would come out later but they were interested in seeing if I wanted to do like a first look where it's like, hey, this is a thing that's going to be coming out. Here it is. Here's what it sounds like. Here's how it works. Here's all the details about it. And I, I get to be the one that like gets to gets to share that and show, which is so cool. I'm so excited because it's something I actually like and it's a company that I actually like and admire and, and trust <laughs> probably more importantly. So I'm very excited about that. The microphone I'm using right now, which I've been enjoying quite a bit and have been making videos about um, and planning videos for, uh, I, I love it. It's a very, very, it's kind of one of those things where if you're somebody who's super into mics, you could use this one and be super happy with it. But also if you're somebody who knows nothing and you just want better audio than like a built-in microphone, you could use this very easily and get great audio too. They kind of like, I don't know if it was their favorite example, but I use the example of like, it's like a Telecaster or precision base of microphones where it's just simple, classic, solid, no extra bells and whistles, but it gets the job done incredibly well. And that's what I'm using today. And I sure hope that I get to tell you what it is soon because it's, it's exciting. In addition to that, the thing that's really exciting with this, this sponsored thing is I don't even really know. It came about organically. And I guess this is this is sort of maybe one of those things that you don't really hear about. You hear about people doing sponsored videos or not sponsored videos, and you hear about scams, and you hear about all that bad stuff, but you don't really hear about how these things come into play. Like with Riverside, for example, I first like got introduced and started talking to them like two years ago. And at the time, they're, they talked about doing a sponsored thing, but I wasn't really doing anything on my channel that was like a good fit. Like I was using Riverside a, a little bit on my own and I was using it as a guest a lot. But I felt like if I were making a video for it, I would almost be forcing the video. And I didn't want to do that. And they were fine with that because they didn't want that either. So we just sort of kept in touch for like two years until finally something popped up where I was like, hey, I'm going to be starting a new podcast season. This could be a cool chance for for us to work together on something that's like organic and makes sense and is a really good fit and is an easy fit. And they were totally on board with that. Same thing goes with the company that makes the microphone that I'm doing the first look showcase for. It's it literally started with one of their um, like designer engineer people reaching out to me to just talk about microphones, not even this brand's microphone, but just like they had basically been watching videos and they're like, you know, 
in your videos, you talked about maybe you don't know how to position things or sound treat stuff. And they broke down my entire studio setup, my like positioning of everything, gave me all these hints and advice and angles to position stuff, regardless of the brand I was using. They were just into audio. And then, so that kind of kicked off a bit of a friendship. And we've just, me and a few of the people from that company have just sort of been in touch now for, again, a couple of years. And so something popped up where they were doing something. And then I guess my name was in the conversation and they reached out and said, hey, this is what we're doing. Is it something you'd be interested in or not? And right away, I was interested in it. But of course, I was like, I have to use the thing. I can't say yes. And then I can't say I'm going to make a video about this thing, especially if it's a sponsored video, if I don't like it and if I don't think it's good. So um, they quickly made sure to get me one so I could use it. And I've been super impressed with it, which was a huge relief. I expected to like it. But, you know, every once in a while, sometimes there are duds out there in the world. And I was really nervous, like, what if it's not good? <laughs> what if it's bad? And fortunately, that wasn't an issue at all. So, um, yeah, so then they said, you want to do a sponsored video? And I said, sure, I do. <laughs> sure. I laugh at that every time. It's not sure, by the way. <laughs> I said, sure, I do. Um, but I kind of want to do things a little different. I don't want to just make a commercial, right? Because if something's sponsored, I can't say it's a review because it's not. Like, even if I know there's really no difference in what I'm saying and how I'm approaching this video versus if it were unsponsored, the fact that it is actually sponsored really does, you just can't really call it a review that you just, you just can't. I, I don't think so, at least. And so it's like, okay, fine. We can call it a first look. We can call it a showcase. This is sort of a unique situation. But I don't want to be the home shopping network. I don't want to just like try to sell people on something. I want to find an angle that, you know, why am I even interested in, in this in the first place? Why is it exciting? And of course, all the questions, how does it work? Because it's one of those things where when it does come out, I would get, I know I would get questions about it anyway. Are you going to like talk about this? Are you going to test this? Are you going to try this? So I might as well address all that stuff right away too. And so, you know, as is what I would require, they gave me total creative control over that. Like, yeah, you, you make the video that you want to make. And then they'll pay a sponsorship fee, which is great. But on top of that, we came up with a really cool idea, which was to donate a lot of these microphones to a lot of different places. Basically, um, the way, I don't, this is a good thing, so I don't think it's a problem that I'm talking about it. The way that it works is I found several like public school, not necessarily, okay, public school media programs that probably do need a little bit of help and need some extra gear, maybe some extra funding and that kind of stuff. We found one in Southern California, actually my very first media program that I taught in, which is still going strong, thankfully. We found one in Pennsylvania that uh, is run by a teacher who I just met through my YouTube channel, and they've been trying to kick off this program. And also a, a program in Scotland, kind of the same case where somebody is working on a shoestring budget to work with students on a lot of audio-centric production, probably even more so than video production. And so all in all, it comes out to about 100 microphones, which is awesome, that gets that get to be sent to these different programs. And after using the microphone, I know that, you know, looking at it through my teacher lens, okay, even careful students are sometimes accidentally abusive towards gear. This will hold up to that. And I, I you know, fully like trust it to be a good, useful tool. Um, in addition to just teachers on, on a school site being able to use it, I know online teaching isn't as common as it was during the early part of the pandemic, but lots of benefits for that. In addition to a weird thing I asked, I thought that was kind of a weird request. Like, could we just, in, instead of me just taking like the biggest paycheck possible, can we, like, can you subsidize me for my time and production for this video, but then can we also spread this out? And they were totally on board with the idea. So in addition to that, I also asked for like a, a small allotment of microphones to be set aside that I could then like direct where they go over time, not to like 
randomly, you know, like I have a lot of friends who are interested in microphones, but they could easily just go out and buy this microphone. That's not somebody who needs one. And uh, there's always the sob stories about, you know, the person whose four grandparents died eight times each. And it's like crazy sob story. And if they just had this one piece of gear that you'll give them, then their whole life would turn around. Not that stuff either. But every once in a while, you just come across somebody who, like, I'm genuinely scrambling around, like, what do I have? I would love to, you know, send this person something or set this person up with something, but I'm not a store. I'm pretty limited on that. And shipping is really hard. So I was like, hey, you're a company who can ship globally. Can you set aside some of these microphones? And now over the next few months, when I come across those situations where somebody could really benefit from it, I just tell you, hey, give one to this person over here. And then they just, they just send it. And I don't have to like spend half my day at the UPS store trying to ship internationally because that's a nightmare. And they were totally on board with that idea, which is awesome. So I'm really excited, not just for the video itself, because it's a fun topic that I think is interesting, but also that like by doing this, I don't have the the icky feeling of, you know, almost feeling like I don't want to say the video is sponsored, not in a dishonest way, but it's like, oh, you know, this video is sponsored. And I just hear the millions of like comments and negative feedback about what all that entails and stuff. So it's like, let's turn this into something where I'm legitimately proud of it and excited for it. And there's something really cool that's happening. And it's, you know, hopefully you're getting an interesting, informative and entertaining video. I'm getting to pay some bills and other people are also getting to benefit from having access to these tools and stuff. I think that is really cool. And I'm super excited about that. And I was really grateful that they were on board with it. So that's the thing I've been working on. And I've been struggling to figure out how to, you know, I had my idea, but I'm struggling to figure out how to frame it. And that is where me being sick with COVID comes into play. Uh, Because I have made it so far, as of now, Heather and my parents are the only people I know who have not gotten sick yet. Uh, I was one of them. Took three years, but... COVID finally caught me and that sucked. And I think, I think I got it at the Turkey Trot on Thanksgiving, which was a pretty crowded event. And we were outside and it was cold that morning and it was like a 5k run. And we were in like the crowd at the, at the starting line waiting to go. There were several thousand people there. And I remember Heather was like, oh, it's so like nice and warm in here with all the people. Cause I, I remember thinking, that's weird to be that close with a lot of people where like body heat is feeling good. And, but in my mind, I was like, well, it's been three years. Like I would be lying if I said that my like vigilance towards getting sick hadn't like loosened up a little bit because I hadn't gotten sick in three years. I had all the vaccines, all the boosters, all the everythings. And I just thought like, Hey, that's working pretty good. And then there was a guy I don't know who he was. He was like some weird local city council person who was one of the many MCs of this event where he was like, we're going to go today. We're going to have a bunch of fun on Thanksgiving. We're going to eat some good food. We're not going to worry about anything like COVID. And as he said that, uh, a red flag went up in my mind. And now I know I was also like literally getting COVID as he said that. It was probably that breath when he said, we're not going to worry And then it just floated through the air and I was like, and then it went into me and gave me COVID. So um, that sucked. And I was also foolish enough to think that, well, if I'm fully vaccinated and I haven't gotten it this long, and it seems like some of the more recent strains aren't as, you know, maybe it's not as intense as it was early in the pandemic. Maybe it won't be that bad. False. (laughs) Um, I do think, I genuinely do think my experience would have been a lot worse had I not been vaccinated, I feel like I definitely would have ended up in the hospital because things were going really bad for for a couple days there. So all in all, I was pretty sick for, I mean, I still have a little bit of like lingering stuff, but I was pretty sick for like 11 days. Three of those were like miserable, can't like escape my own body kind of pain. And it was really getting to the point where like, if it kept getting worse, I was going to have to go to like the emergency room or something. And unfortunately it stopped getting worse, but then it just kind of stayed in this one way. Like it didn't improve or get worse for like six days. It was just the same thing constantly. 
Um, and it completely kicked my butt. Like I really felt like there were days where I didn't move. I just stayed in bed because I couldn't do anything. And by the end of the day, I felt like I had like worked a full day, exercised a bunch. Like I was exhausted and I had literally done nothing. It just, it really sucked. So, um, yeah, don't, it, I definitely recommend avoiding getting COVID. Do not, not a great experience. Don't recommend it at all. And somehow so far, Heather's still testing negative. I'm finally testing negative again, uh, which that felt like it was never going to happen at one point. So thank goodness. But during this whole thing, I couldn't do much. There were a, those few days where I literally couldn't do anything. Like I couldn't even sleep. I couldn't watch anything. I couldn't think about anything. I was just miserable and like trying to just let the minutes pass. I couldn't even sleep because I couldn't like breathe to sleep. It was awful. Aside from those days, uh, most of the time did kind of feel like I had like a light flu or a bad cold. So I couldn't do much and I couldn't breathe that well, but I could definitely like work on my laptop in bed kind of thing. And I quickly thought, hey, this is a good time to catch up on some old entertainment. So I never watch like TV or movies hardly ever, but I'm going to go into all these streaming services that we're paying $15 a month for and see what's up. And um, there's nothing. It's all like, so bad. I mean, there's there's like the standard fare, like, you know, the big movies, um, you know, there's series that I like that I've watched. Like, yeah, I love watching King of the Hill, but you know, that's, I don't know if that's the reason to have a streaming service. So I, was, I love watching documentaries and it really, I watched a really good one, which was called Goodnight Oppie. And that was about the Mars rovers, the Opportunity rover that was supposed to last for 90 days, lasted for 15 years, which is crazy. It's, it's That's a really good documentary. I definitely recommend it. But then I tried watching other ones and what it did was it made me just appreciate YouTube documentaries so much more because the like the studio produced documentaries, so many of them have artificial drama. Like I was watching one about the Titanic and the whole premise is this is the first dive to the Titanic in 15 years. And we know the ship is deteriorating and we need to like see what conditions it's condition it's in. This is going to be the first time it's filmed in 4k. We also have like 3d scanning and modeling that we can do so we can create a super accurate representation of the ship. To me, that is a fascinating premise that I'm very excited about. But the documentary ended up being like, like so filled with so much just fake drama. Like there's one part where the guy's piloting the submarine down there and he basically says something like, oh, I gotta be careful not to hit this piece of metal here. And then the narrator is like, the ship narrowly avoids disaster on the bottom of the ocean. It's like, no, it didn't. He just, he just said he wasn't gonna hit the metal. There was like, they were supposed to launch the submarine one day and the weather was kind of bad. So they were like, oh, it's bad weather today. We'll have to launch tomorrow. And then the narrator comes in and is like, with the weather putting the entire mission in jeopardy, will they have time to launch it? It's like, no, 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 no. These are people who work in the ocean. They are used to being at the mercy of weather. And they just postponed it a day, which is a thing that happens like all the time. And it's so frustrating because the actual story of this documentary is great. And you just need to focus on that. You don't need all this weird other drama that's not even related to anything. And it just made me appreciate like high quality YouTube video essays and documentaries where people just focus on the topic and try to provide the best information possible. And like, I, I just, it just made me appreciate YouTube. So long story long, I ended up just basically living on YouTube for the whole time I was sick and capable of watching TV. And my initial thing, I learned, this is where we get into what I learned, which I think is actually, has been very interesting. My initial impulse was to watch all my normal stuff, my normal channels, my normal topics, and my normal niches. Nothing, nothing crazy there. But I found that as soon as I started doing that, I started feeling like I, I wanted to get up and do stuff. Like I was watching someone make a video about cameras or microphones, and I was like, I want to make a video about cameras and microphones, and I couldn't. And I couldn't even like use a camera, much less be presenting something, planning something. So I was starting to get like sad, you know, that I couldn't do the thing I wanted to do. So I decided to just go into like different niches and I ended up watching just a lot of like more entertainment based videos and like commentary videos and comedy videos and stuff like that. And 
it's, I'm glad because over the past, I don't know, over the past year or so, I found a bunch of channels that I really like. Channels like Drew Gooden, Danny Gonzalez. Um, I like Jarvis Johnson for a really, really long time. Same with like Eddie Burback. Kind of this group of, I don't know what you would call it, if it's like commentary or reaction or entertainment channels, but um, people with YouTube channels that have huge catalogs of videos because they've been doing it for many, many years and they're really good at what they do and it's just enjoyable and fun to watch. So that's kind of what I binged. Oh, Ted Nivison's another one. Just really, really great, just really, really great fun stuff that I just started enjoying so much. And as I was watching those videos, I can't help but think about like how these people are making those videos. And a lot of those channels have millions of subscribers, you know, so anywhere between one and six million subscribers. Like I think, I think Danny Gonzalez's channel was the biggest one that I binged and he's close to six million. So to me, those are very, very massive channels and seems like they have pretty decent incomes, but for pretty much all of them, their like filming setups are very modest. It's one camera. It's, it's lit fine. It's usually just like in an office in their house or apartment. It's not like, you know, this crazy production studio or anything. And it's fine. And usually the sound is pretty okay because everyone's kind of using microphones. Oh, Scott Kramer. That's another one. They're so, sorry. <laughs> I'm just like, don't forget about all these channels I enjoy because they also brought me a lot of joy in times when I was having not a lot of joy. But yeah, so they usually have decent audio, but sometimes even the audio in some videos isn't that amazing. It's pretty reverby and funky and it did not matter at all. I just enjoyed the heck out of like everything because it was just so much fun. And so I started thinking, okay, what makes these videos so good? Obviously, thing number one is the person making the video. They are interesting. They know how to present themselves really well. They know how to, you know, just be entertaining. So that is kind of, that's kind of like an X factor. You can get good at that with practice, but that's a hard thing. You can't go to the store and buy that, you know? You can't like watch a tutorial on that. That's, that's a lot of reps to get to that point. Okay. But then when I started noticing was the editing and the, the writing, I guess, would be the way to put it. Because the editing, one thing that, that I just am appalled by on YouTube is the Mr. Beast style of editing. And again, if you're a Mr. Beast fan, I don't mean to, to offend, but he and his team, because he is not just one person, despite the name, ha have pioneered like this engagement first view duration prioritizing form of editing that has then sort of permeated across many different niches and videos and channels across the platform. And I hate it. It's, it's the, it, it is the equivalent. I watched a video by a channel named Pinely where it's called the Mr. Beastification of YouTube. And he explains that in that, the way the edit, what the editing is, is it's essentially someone that's just snapping their fingers and clapping their hands in front of your face. Like, hey, look here. Hey, hey, hey. Like, it's not that you're actually interested in giving it your attention. You just can't look away because something just keeps like, what, what? Kind of like confusing you and grabbing your attention every two seconds. And that's really how it feels. It reminds me so much of when I used to listen to morning talk radio and it felt like they would never freaking get to the fireworks factory because the DJ would say something like, oh, we're going to have Paul Rudd on today's show and we're going to talk to him about writing his very first movie or something. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I love Paul Rudd. I want to hear about him writing a movie. And then the whole beginning of the show, like every commercial break or whatever is like, oh, we're going to get right into this. Paul Rudd's going to be in here next. Okay, cool. You built that up for an hour. Now it's like Paul Rudd's in the studio and he's like, hey guys, I'm here. Okay, cool. We're going to talk to him next. And then they come back like, oh, you wrote a movie. Yeah, I wrote a movie. We're going to hear more about Paul Rudd's movie right after this. And they come back like, okay, Paul, anything where, you know, what, what day does the movie come out? It's on the 23rd. Okay. And we're going to recap that interview when we come back. And I'm like, wait, is the interview over? Like nothing happened. I was waiting for something to happen and they made it feel like something happened but nothing actually happened. That is that style of editing where it's like, here's this crazy, exciting thing. It's going to be crazy. But like, you're not really getting enough, at least my old brain then, it's not getting enough details or context or time to breathe and have pacing. And it, it's just a miserable, it's, it's just a miserable thing. And it's just all like quick cuts, punch in sound effects, text on screen, insanity. 
And I'm just not a huge fan of that. Neither are my dogs, obviously. But then I started looking at those channels that I was watching and really enjoying and noticing that on paper, a lot of the editing was kind of that. There's a lot of punch-ins. There's a lot of sound effects. There's a lot of like things that grab your attention. And I was thinking, why doesn't this bother me? Why Not only why doesn't it bother me, why do I like it? Why am I really, really enjoying this? And that's when I realized that's because that is being done with purpose versus something that is essentially empty calories. Like one has nutrients, one does not have any nutritional value. And that's a huge difference. And then I started realizing, oh, I remember when I was a kid and I really liked watching stand-up comedy specials. Like if one was playing on Comedy Central after school or something, I'd watch it. And I would think, again, I'm like 12 or 13, but I would think it's amazing that these comedians can get up on stage and just be funny for an hour. Like George Carlin can just say this stuff and be so good at it and and just like make it up off the cuff. It, I always thought that they were like making it up, like improving. I didn't know that, no, what you're seeing is the result of somebody practicing these jokes thousands of times and like getting the wording just right so that it it like maximizes the wit and the cleverness and the purpose and the funniness of it. And once they get things toned in and dialed in, then they record a special for it. And that is what you are watching right now. I didn't know that. And it seems so effortless, but everything a stand-up comic is doing on stage is essentially setting up a joke, giving the punchline to a joke, something that's funny, or like transitioning, giving context, which is also like kind of setting up the joke. That's sort of it. Like you're either transitioning between premises, context, one joke to another, you're setting up the joke, here's the payoff and the punchline, transitioning to the next thing so it doesn't just seem like a whole bunch of non sequitur random things. And that comes together when in, in the hands of a really skilled comedian, that comes together as something that feels very natural and off the cuff. And I started realizing, oh, these channels I'm watching where it looks like somebody is just hanging out, you know, in a spare bedroom or a home office or something and talking about something goofy, which granted a lot of those channels do streams where they do things live and, and impromptu. And some of their videos are much more loose versus some are much more highly edited. But I was realizing there's no wasted space. Even if it's a 40 minute video, everything is the same as with like the stand-up comedy special. Everything is either giving context, setting up a joke, or paying off a joke, and then maybe transitioning to the next thing. Like, you know, if somebody's, say, somebody's reacting to like a bad movie, because that's some of my favorite, you know, find some terribly, awfully animated, like rip-off dollar store version of a movie, and watch somebody just tear it to shreds is really funny to me. And they might do something like, okay, in this next scene, this thing happens. Cool, there's a setup. They'll play a clip from the movie and then they'll stop it and say, right there, and they'll point out something, this, that, the other thing, here's the animation, here's the voice acting, here's this weird plot hole, and then it pays off with a, you know, a joke and kind of a big moment, and then we jump back to the next setup and the next premise. And the editing all supports that. So a lot of times, like there's a regular wide shot when something is being set up and then it cuts, like you punch in to sort of emphasize something. And then you might even like add sound effects and voice sound effects and visual effects, like goofy, cheesy things or whatever to like pay off the joke. And then it comes back to like the standard shot to go to the next thing. And I was like, wow, this is, everything is so intentional and plays a specific role in building things up that even in a relatively long video, there's no wasted space. There's not one like extra sentence, one unnecessary thing. And it still feels natural and fun. But I just started paying attention to the the effort that goes into it. And then I started paying attention to the structure as well. Like one thing I noticed that a lot of channels in that niche do, which I think is really cool, is create titles for their specific videos, not just the YouTube title, but like in the video. So where I would typically put like my logo, that's just my name. So people know what channel it's on, which is also something I do just in case the video gets re-uploaded somewhere, which is a thing that happens. It has my name on it. So it's very obvious that it's aside from having my face and my voice and everything, like it's got my name right there on the thing. Like you stole it from me. 
that is a thing that happens sometimes. But instead of that, it would be like the title of the video, not the name of the person. And the title sort of can change every time, depending on the theme, like the music, the style, the pacing, everything of it changes to be in service of whatever the topic is for that specific video a lot of times. And I thought that was really, really cool. And in, in addition to structure, there's another channel that I really, really love called Beard Meets Food. And I, it's a, just such a good channel about this guy with a beard who does eating challenges. And most of the time he competes, completes them and sometimes he doesn't. But he makes everything himself, which is fascinating because that's what kind of drew me in is he's funny and entertaining to watch, but he also like goes into these restaurants just with like his camera bag and sets up four different cameras from all these different angles, like does everything himself and then edits it all together and adds commentary over it. And it's so well made and it's so fun. It's so, it's enjoyable to watch that that's what's drew, what drew me in. And now I've been like kind of, that's a, a food channel is a fun channel to binge, but that's something I've been binging for like, I don't know, maybe four months now. Um, and I've noticed, wow, there's such a structure here. Like every video starts almost with like a vloggy kind of thing. So it's, here's the setup. This is what we're doing. This is where we're at. He might be driving in the car or something, going to the restaurant. Then there's a drone shot with some music. Then we get to the restaurant. We set up the restaurant. We do the eating challenge after the commentary. And then there's usually, you know, the ending, which might be a joke or asking for dessert or something. And then there's the end screen, which is a pretty simple structure and some things change. So like, you know, there'll be a drone shot with music and an intro with music, but the music's different every time. But the outro music is the same every time. And so I started noticing like, there's there's like, there's a thing that happens when you're, when you make YouTube videos where you can feel like you fall into a rut and you're like, this is how I make my videos. So I'm just going to make every video this way because this is how I make my videos. And sometimes you want to break out of that because you don't want, you don't want to be stuck in a rut. Or maybe even creatively, you're just getting tired of it. But sometimes there's certain structure, I think, that is really, really effective and that, that works really well and is is kind of important to keep in mind. And certain things like that, like having, like Beard Meets Food has the same outro music every time. So does Ted Nivison has the same outro music every time in every video. And I have found that without even realizing it, when I'm watching the videos, it gets to that end screen of the outro music. And then I like feel like I feel a certain way. Like I have a positive reaction to it because it's familiar. Creatively, I know what I try to do is like I'm using different music every time in every video because I want to like add in a little bit of variety and do this stuff. But part of me is thinking from a viewer's perspective who watches many, many different things. And the thing I make is just one of however many they're watching in that day, week, month, whatever. Maybe having a more specific structure helps create something that people can connect to and feel attached to because it's not changing every single time, which is, it totally makes sense. It's like when I was teaching high school students, you think like, oh, teenagers, they would hate any kind of structure. They want things to be different. No, if you rearrange your classroom or your seating chart for a group of teenagers, it's pretty much like committing a war crime because it throws everything into disarray. Like they like to know they're going to walk into your room because they have however many other teachers and things going on for the time that I'm in this classroom. This is how things work. This is where I go. This is what I do. Structure really does help everybody to have like a better time. And so I was kind of playing with this idea. And then I went into Procreate on my iPad and drew out like a video structure. So I kind of drew this little diagram where it's like, okay, taking everything I've watched from these channels and figuring out what makes them enjoyable, the planning that goes into them, the stuff I like, the stuff that I think would apply to me, because it's not like... It's not like, oh, I just would want to be a comedy channel then because that I'm not necessarily cut out for that. You know, like a little joke here or there is one thing, but the the brilliance of being able to write like well-crafted comedy is, uh, it's a skill that I don't necessarily have. But taking these ideas and applying them to what I'm doing. So instead of, you know, everything be, being a, a setup and a punchline to a joke, 
couldn't that be context and relevance of a point? Like if I'm making a point about something, a tool, a technique, whatever it might be, everything, there's just still no wasted space, no empty calories. Everything is being done in service of communicating this. And so my structure that I came up with is sort of similar to what I've been doing, but a little bit different. So I've been trying this on several videos that I've been working on now, which is to start with an opening. That's something I've done for a while. You know, just here's the hook that usually explains what the video is about. Like, you know, in the world of microphones, there are a lot of choices, but finding the one that's right for you is difficult. So let's take a micro look at microphones or something like that. And then there's the intro. Instead of the logo, creating a a title screen and a title intro for that specific video. Then there's the meat of the video where I want to like not necessarily even feel so locked into something, like structuring the video a little differently, paying a little more attention to beginning, middle, and end, even if it is a review or a tutorial and playing around with music and the role that music has in it, whether there is or isn't and how it changes. So it's not just like have background music to create like a, a relaxed tone, but when should there be music? When should the song change? When should it be a certain type of song? Like it should all be contributing to something. Then when that's done, I love my goofy transitions. This is like the thing that I should not be proud of, but I'm proud of is the transition to the Patreon channel supporter names. Um, which is always really dumb because it's like, you know, this camera is a really awesome thing to have in your toolbox. And speaking of things that are awesome to have, thank you to everyone who helps support my channel. Like it's the, it's the most tenuous forced, like sweaty transition in the world. And it always makes me laugh every time. And so I like that. And something I started doing kind of accidentally, I, I made a video a while ago where I did that and then usually I would just go to my end screen and say, and if you want to learn more about this thing, check out these videos right here. But instead of doing that, I kind of jumped back and was like, what video was this? Oh, this was the one I did about the webcam, the, um, the Insta360 webcam that like tracks you and stuff. At the end of that, I just wanted to point out stuff I did because I was like, oh, I'm using this Nikon camera over here. I'm trying to film with an ND filter. And I was just sort of like giving like behind the scenes little tidbits of that video that I was working on, which I just wanted to share because I thought it was kind of interesting. And it was fun because a lot of people actually like mentioned that and gave me feedback too. Like, oh yeah, I noticed this camera looked different or this, I liked it better the other way, whatever. Which showed me that people were interested in that stuff. And it was also kind of cool because it showed like, oh, they actually watched till the very, very end because otherwise they wouldn't even know that was there. So that's pretty neat. So having that little tidbit and then just cutting to an end screen. And that's something I've been wanting to do more in videos because it's almost like a micro vlog where it is like a little behind the scenes. Here's something, here's an extra point. Here's a little bit of info. Here's something I was also doing while working on this video. But if you don't see this part, you're not missing out on any of the crucial stuff that you would need in the video. It's like a little bonus. And then going from that to an end screen that has like the same song and has a very specific mood to it. And especially if I can end my little tidbit micro vlog with some kind of like cheesy joke and then it smash cuts to the end screen with the music. I really like that structure. And I, I, it's something I want to not necessarily do like rigidly on every single video ever, but it's something I want to play with for a good chunk of time just to sort of see how I feel about it, how I'm able to produce stuff and how people respond to it. And so far I've worked on it with a couple of videos because in order to do this, it also requires a ton of planning. So I put together this template in my notes document that has the drawing I made in Procreate of the video. So I remember that, but also like right at the top, I have a section for purpose. So this is the purpose of the video. Like the one I'm working on today. Well, actually the one you could actually go watch right now. The first one I did with this is the video that's called uh, why don't more people use camcorders or why aren't camcorders more popular? Um, yeah. So the purpose of that video says to compare high end mirrorless cameras to modern high end camcorders. They've got similar prices, many similar features, but the camcorders designed specifically for video. So why aren't they more popular for things like YouTube? That's not necessarily something I would say in the video, but that's 
as I'm outlining the video, what is the whole point of this video existing in the first place? Okay, let's have a purpose. Then I've got a section for the opening. So this would be the part that's going to be before the title screen. And what I also did was I found like the music I wanted to use and I even made the title screen because one thing I could do while I was sick in bed for this video, I like made the whole title screen, did that. And then I knew, okay, I have 12 seconds based on how the song works and how the pacing works, I have 12 seconds to do an intro. So then I wrote an intro that fit into 12 seconds and when I felt better, I could record that. So there's the opening, then it goes to a title. Then I, and I, the title screen has all these different ideas for titles. The title screen doesn't necessarily match the title of the video, but they're, they should probably be pretty close. Uh, then I've got a section for some style notes. So, you know, anything I want to keep in mind, like, yes, use background music, don't use background music, use a hard cut here, don't forget about this effect here, whatever, that kind of thing. Just notes to myself, like production notes. And then the actual outline, which I also left a note that's like, think of a stand-up comedy set where everything is building on everything else. And then so I broke this camcorder video down in beginning, middle, and end, and also made notes to change the song three times throughout. So the beginning, the middle, and the end segment have different songs. And I wanted to film in slightly different locations. So the video starts out um, not even at my main desk, but like a side desk with a totally different setup. And then the middle is like a straight on shot. And then the end is another third angle with a second angle. Like each section of the video is filmed in a different location to help it feel a little different. We can talk about these specific points kind of in their own way and it doesn't all just mesh together. That was actually really fun to do. Um, then I've got the transition for the speaking of, and, it, and all those sections are just bullet pointed out. So there's, it's not scripted, but you know, I might have a bullet point that says, actually a lot of these are like fairly how I would want to say them. So I just look at the bullet point, put it into my, own words. This is my own words, but you know, sometimes what you write isn't, doesn't flow as well as what you would naturally speak. So then I speak it as best I can. Maybe I need to do it a couple times and then just check the little box next to it to make sure that it's done. I just go down the whole list. There's the speaking of thing, like speaking of things I find absolutely incredible. Uh, maybe some notes that I want to, of stuff I want to cover in that behind the scenes thing and notes to myself about videos I want to include on the end screen, notes about remembering, you know, to film a thumbnail or ideas for what the thumbnail could be, that kind of thing. And the camcorder video was the first video I produced with this format. And I was really nervous about that. It was really fun, actually. Like, I, I spent a lot more time on the video as a whole, but I dedicated so much more time to the pre-production, the outlining, the planning, the scripting, finding the music, putting together the title screen. I even have, in that video, I have titles throughout. So part one, two, and three each have their own title screen with separate music that pops up as well. And I got all that put together while I was sick in bed <laughs> and I couldn't film anything. But then it was just, a, and then I outlined everything. So it was a matter of just kind of plugging things in after that. And that was basically it. So even though the, the production itself, I actually spent more time on making this video, it felt so much more efficient and each part felt less exhausting because it was all like organized and planned out in a much more effective way. But I was nervous about this. I was nervous about a slightly different structure, although I don't even know, I don't know how much of that is even obvious if you watch the video, if you're just like, this is just a normal video. But I know that in my mind, it was very different. But the other thing I was nervous about was I always get scared of making videos that are more about my ideas or exploring an idea rather than something concrete, like making a video about a camera lens or a microphone or a tutorial about a technique is so specific because there's a very clear subject purpose. Like I don't have to be, me and my ideas don't have to be the star of the show. Like this thing is, and I can just help explain something. So this is like, I'm not talking about a specific camcorder really. I'm just exploring the idea of why aren't camcorders more popular for YouTube? Hey, I borrowed a, a modern camcorder that's pretty good. Let's take a look at that and see how it performs. Let's explain why maybe I think people stopped using camcorders so often. Maybe why they should use them more or should not use them. More. Like, let's just explore this whole topic together. And that was one of my best performing videos in a long time, which was really cool. I don't want to let the one out of 10 scale give any kind of validation 
like my video is not good because it was a one out of 10 and the video is not bad because it's a 10 out of 10, that it was really nice to see like, wow, this video got in a day the number of views that my videos have been getting in a week. And it is just this thing that I wanted to explore. And it also, I can't help but think that maybe that structure helped make the video more interesting so people enjoyed watching it more and stuck with it more. May, I, I feel like there might be a connection there. And so going back to the video that I'm working on, the sponsored video for the secret thing that I'm using right now, cracking that code and going, okay, hey, it is sort of, I have an idea of how I want to approach this topic. I don't want it to feel like the home shopping network, but it is a product showcase. So how can I approach that? Hey, cool. I've got this template right here. Then it was like, everything just fit in. This makes total sense now how to do it and how to have fun with it, how to inject personality with it while still covering everything I need to cover and keeping it, you know, unique and organic and authentic. Uh, that worked really, really well. And then also I've got several other videos that I'm like working on the outline for, for this. So it's been super fun to play with this structure. And it's way too early to say like that I have actual insights from it, but from a creative standpoint, I am enjoying it more from, and, and, and I just want to see basically where that goes essentially. But it's been a really cool thing because I don't think, I think this has helped level up the way I approach making videos and the joy I get out of making videos in a big way. And I don't think that would have happened had I not been forced to kind of just sit and do nothing, but watch YouTube and then start analyzing what I was watching and why I liked it and what seemed to be effective and interesting about it and then go from there. And so that's, um, I guess that was the biggest benefit to getting sick and being knocked out. So I'm curious if you want to watch the, uh, the camcorder video that's up on my channel, I'll put a link in the show notes too. If you just want to see again, it might even just be in my own head. Like I know I'm approaching this differently. I don't know how obvious that is to anyone who's watching it, but I feel like the video as a whole is definitely stronger because it had so much more planning and purpose put into it, which is very exciting. Hope, well, the video that I'm working on for this secret microphone that I'm using, uh, this, this video is also going to be structured that same way. So maybe you'll get to see that later this week and maybe not, but whenever you do get to see it, you know that it was structured that way and that's pretty darn exciting. So I, I wanted to share that because I think sometimes... As a, as a creator, you can find yourself wanting to move away from having a structure and having similar things that you do often, but sometimes, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like if you want to do that creatively because you are tired of doing something and you want to try something else, hundred percent, you should do that. But like changing something for the sake of change or abandoning something for just because you feel like oh, I've already done this. I don't think that's a great, I think of podcastage, for example, a lot of Bandrew's mic reviews are structured identically. They're different because the mics are different, but it's the same way the beard meets food videos. Each video is kind of structured identically, but he's in a different restaurant. It's a different food challenge, but it means I know what to expect. When I go to podcastage and I watch one of Bandrew's reviews, I know like, okay, he's going to talk about this. Then he's going to do the comparisons. I'm going to hear it in an untreated room, in a treated room. I'm going to have his thoughts about the performance. I'm going to have his conclusions. Should I buy? Like, I kind of know exactly where, I know I'm going to get this specific info, how and when I'm going to get it. And that actually kind of makes it a more enjoyable experience for me as a viewer. So I don't think, I think if you want to try something new because creatively you want to, that is very, very important. But I think if you're sort of happy, you shouldn't feel obligated to switch things up just because you're like, well, I've done this already. It's like, yeah, that might be working. Like maybe, maybe fine tune it or hone in on that. Don't necessarily abandon it. And the same thing goes, like I was really thinking, working on this sponsored video, my first impulse was to do the very YouTube thing. Go like, okay, this is a sponsored video. It's a thing. What's like a big, like a big thing I could do something very different. So this feels different. And then I, I was thinking, and I even talked to the company about this where I was like, I actually don't think that that's the way to approach it. They never suggested that I do. That was just my impulse was like, oh, this has to be different. And it's a sponsored thing. And I was like, no, no, no. Why, why shouldn't this just be the thing that it seems like people enjoy from my channel. Why shouldn't 
this just be like me doing what I do the best that I can do it. And that doesn't mean I need to be like traveling the world. I can be in my same studio, in my same setup, but maybe how I'm communicating something could be a little more effective or the way the video is edited could, you know, emphasize things in specific ways that help make it more fun and more enjoyable to watch. It doesn't necessarily mean I need to like tear everything down and start from scratch. And that was like a pretty, a pretty interesting revelation that I've been enjoying with. So maybe I should report back. Maybe by the time season nine of the podcast starts, enough time will have passed that I can have like some, some reflection and some info to report back with. But we've got one more episode left this season. If you want to be included on that episode and you want to, you know, if you have any thoughts about anything we talked about today or in any of the other episodes, feel free, send me an email, um, go to hi, my name is Tom.com, leave a message like Gil did at the beginning of this episode. And of course, I do want to thank again one more time Riverside.fm for sponsoring this episode and this entire season of the Enthusiasm Project. So don't forget, if you'd like to give Riverside a try, use the link in the description along with promo code TOM15 for 15% off your Riverside.fm subscription. And again, hopefully you can find out very, very soon the secret thing that I'm using right now. And... We got one more episode and then the season's a wrap. So thanks so much for spending your time with me. I appreciate it. I hope you have a safe, happy, healthy, fun rest of your week and I will see you next time. (laughs) 